Naturalized. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Beam United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. Lots to cover today. Uh, we are going to cover probably, I would say, more ground than Tyler Adams chasing after Memphis Depay. Mm. That's a poor memory for me. I don't like that one. But we're going to talk about the United States losing to the Netherlands 3 to nothing, getting knocked out in the knockout round Damn it. of the World Cup. All right. There's a lot to get to here, Beamer, and we will, and we'll go through the game and all that stuff. I want people to know this. The end of all of this, we're going to have it all sorted out. We're going to know exactly what the U.S. needs to do going forward yep. four years from now, three mm-hmm. and a half years from now. Uh, we'll have all the correct thoughts on Greg Berhalter. We yep. will know exactly how to fix that situation if there is fixing needed. Um, yeah. So if you want the whole plan, you'll got it. You've got it. We're going to have that for you. Or, or, or alternately, maybe we're just going to throw some crap at the wall for the next half hour. Alternate and, universe. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. We're just going to throw some stuff out there and tell you how we're feeling a couple days after all this went down. I feel like I'm a little more cool-headed and rational now than I was right after the game Uh where I wanted everybody fired. I wanted everything to change, and yeah. Um, but I never wanted to buy another Dutch product in my life. To hell with Stroop waffles. I'll never eat another one again, even though they are delicious. Can I tell you, though, uh, side note on that, Stroop Stroop waffles, my God. They're tremendous. What a tremendous invention. You know who I have to thank for the Stroopwafel fixation for myself? Neil Sika. All right. Yeah. The Big lovely voice of guy. the Columbus crew for so many years. Neil Sika came back from the uh, one of the games where the crew were playing the Dayton Dutch Lions, yep. which were a thing way back when in a like, U.S. Open Cup game. And he came back and was like, they're serving these things called Stroopwafels. Have you never had one? I said, no. He's like, you got to have one. And I'm like, I'll be on the what lookout. What the hell is it? Well, but then he was getting like fresh ones there and I found the ones in like a package. The package one's pretty good too. Well, and I didn't realize the secret trick is put them over the cup of coffee. Oh, change your world. I, it is a general staple in the beam household to have Stroop waffles at home. Brilliant. What a great, what a great thing. Your, your young yet to be born son is going to be so thrilled to wake up in a house like this (laughs) with a giant dog. That'll lick his face off. By the way, quick and aside then on that, waffles every morning. I uh, I felt bad for for Theo this weekend, so you know we're putting together. Theo, the, by the way, is the dog, yes, not the future baby. Not just the, so we're not clear. the future baby. Yeah, correct. So you know we're putting together the nursery, and I put together an IKEA dresser, and you know did all that. And Meredith and I. There's a picture of Mike Ditka flipping off a camera in a sweet 1985 bear stuff. Love it. Um, that's in the baby nursery right now. Now Meredith has asked me what I want for Christmas. I say I want Ditka to stay. Um, but that's not going to happen. So the picture is going to have to go away. It was actually a nice gift from your co-host, Common Man. He gave that to me. I he yes, I've I've seen this picture. I know of it very well. And so unfortunately, so you know we're putting together the nursery and like there's a glider chair that has gone up there and there's a couple of other pictures. We're doing some decorating and Meredith got this beautiful new rug. It's baby blue and it's got like white polka dots, not polka dots, but kind of like on the side. It's got these dots and everything. And so I felt so bad because on Saturday evening after the U.S. lost their game against the Netherlands, like everybody was just kind of in a crappy mood and, you know, whatever. So it's probably, I don't know, bone 11 o'clock, 1130 on Saturday night. Theo's downstairs with me, the dog, uh, 90 pound little pit bull mix. 
And he's on the couch hanging out with me, then goes from the couch to the chair and then hanging out there for a couple hours. Now, Meredith has been in bed since like 930, 10 o'clock, and I'm just hanging out watching some college football at that point. And he goes upstairs and that's what he does. Sometimes I'll be downstairs. He jumps into the bed. He'll hang out until hang out in bed until I get up and then kick him off. And then he goes back downstairs and it's usually uh, a battle of attrition to get him off the bed. But whatever. So it's about 1130 on Saturday night. And I don't think anything of it. He's going upstairs. And I just hear Meredith at the top of her lungs screaming. And I'm like, what in the world is happening up there? And I'm staying downstairs. I'm like, that doesn't sound good. And I just hear, get off, get off, get off. And I'm like, what does he do? Like, I know it's something with the dog. Yes, of course. Either that or Meredith is having a night terror, which she's never had. And I'm like, it's got to be something with the dog. And I'm like hanging out downstairs for a couple minutes. I'm like, is this going to go away? Do I need to go check upstairs? What's happening? And then about 90 seconds after that, I hear, not again. And so Theo had literally got up from his chair downstairs. And our house is hardwood. I mean, it's. You, know, you can clean just about anything up. Brand new rug, baby nursery, oh. has just puked a, about five gallons on her brand oh, new rug. No. And it was the most despondent I have ever seen in my wife of our 12, 13 years of being together. I felt that's real, such that's such heartbreak. I feel like, really bad for him because I'm like, buddy, you need to get get away right yeah, now. Yeah, this is a bad time for you. This is <laughs> what you've done here. You can't he can't possibly process how bad it is what no. he's done. He's wandered into a situation that any other is, place no, in the house no, would have been fine. Good. He has yacked on our carpet, our rug so many times in the living room. It's no big deal. Yeah, right. Also the same, like on the floor, hardwood floor, no big deal. Yeah. Same thing, bed, sheet, sure. That's Anything fine. That Throw it in washed. the washing machine. This thing in a baby's, yeah. I mean, bone, it's 48 hours old. And it's, uh. Yeah, this is a this is a thing. And then um, I looked at her after after she calmed. She didn't really calm down I Saturday night. Yeah. Then she went back to bed, and I'm like, "This is a preview of of what our life is going to be like." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "This is a there's, dog. Think about a human." Oh, there's <laughs> lots of messes in your future, <laughs> yeah, my friend. Yeah. Lots of messes. <laughs> you get good at cleaning them up after a while, and you start learning what you really don't need, which are nice things. That's what I found. I don't need nice things because yeah, they're all going to get vomited on or urinated we don't on need or pooped on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who? <laughs> What a weird way to bring him up. But here you go. Yeah. Why have Gio Reyna when he's just going to get pooped on? Right? Mm-hmm. That's exactly what. No, that's not how that works. Okay. So here's where I come back with this U.S. national team at the end of all of this. Were they good enough to play a better game against the Netherlands? Yes. Were they young enough to play a silly, stupid game that the Netherlands goaded them into? Also, Yes. Were they young enough and dumb enough and not clinical enough to be in that game without taking their chances? Also, yes. Yes, yes, right. All these can be true. Did Louis Van Hall at the end of that game look like he was Greg Berhalter's disappointed father? Yes. Also, yes. Where his son is just like, he's like, my God, man, you're 51 years old. You run a skate shop and you're still wearing T-shirts and Jordans. Get it together. (laughs) And he's got his suit on with the tie and he looks like an investment banker. And he's like, my God, son, I put you to Harvard. You've got a master's degree. Damn you. Like it just looked a little bit like, and you want to go sell lava lamps down at Venice beach. Right. You doing that doesn't, by the way, that doesn't matter. I just thought it was a funny picture. That's all. And again, on the world stage, Louis van Hall worlds of experience more than Greg Berhalter as a coach. I mean, the man has coached the biggest clubs in the world, Mm -hmm. coached the Netherlands multiple times, 
this man obviously has been around and, and has his faults too. No Beamer, doubt. you know them well. Mm-hmm. But I'm just saying you could see the difference in level between strategies but from these two managers. Now, let's talk about the tactics and then we'll get to the actual gameplay itself. Going into this one, I kind of expected Burhalter to play a lot more like what you saw this England game with the U.S. Yeah. Where he had his team essentially saying, we're going to try to close you out when you have the ball, attack you, maraud you, be vicious towards you when you get the ball, relentlessly pursuing the ball. But we're okay if you have the ball a little bit more than us. We don't need it all the time. And when we get it, we're going to take it to you and we're going to do that type of thing. But we're not anticipating having the ball for long. And then you get into this game with the Netherlands, and I thought, well, that's probably going to be the similar type of thing. They're going to say, all right. It's kind of what the Netherlands likes to do as well. And that's the problem is the Netherlands, they were – it's almost like what would have been good for the U.S. to do is to walk into this, you know, um, trying to return the compliment. And at some point, someone just has to take the compliment. You know what I mean? And the Netherlands were like – instantly like no you are truly the greatest and the best and you should have the ball and then he's like no 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 you 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 should have and eventually the US after like a minute was like all right fine we'll take the ball you're right we're really good we can we can have the ball yes and then they that's what the the Netherlands were like oh good they took the compliment mm-hmm. great that's what they wanted and i feel like that's where to start off tactically that's where kind of Greg Berhalter got this wrong is not telling his team hey it's okay if this is the most boring game anyone's ever watched we do not need to take the fight to the Netherlands. Right. Don't need to bother with that. Let them have the ball. We don't need that. We want to close them out. We're better. We're more athletic than them. I don't say better as far as total gameplay. Better athletes, younger players, stronger players, yeah. I feel like in many cases. Outside of a six-foot-five giant, they have probably the back <laughs> line. And literally a guy who is taller than the Burj Khalifa Tower or whatever it is in Qatar. That, my God, that dude they have, that goalkeeper was 6'8". Yeah. Big boy. But, you know, for the most part, I thought that was a strategy that Greg should have employed. And instead, the U.S. kind of took the bait and had the ball. Yep. So I was obviously I was feeling good heading into this game. Like you're in the round of 16 in the knockout knockout phase. And I think it's it's good that we're recording this podcast today instead of recording it after Saturday's game, like Mm. right afterwards, because it would have been a mess. I mean, let's let's try to to cooler heads prevail Mm -hmm. on this. Right. So going into the game, I was excited. Obviously, you're in the knockout rounds. You're feeling good about yourselves. You're the first knockout game, too, by the way. Like, that's already like, all right, set the platter. Let's go. Like, hit the gas pedal and going to be good. So fast forward you three minutes into the game. I'm like a thousand percent sure Christian Pulisic thought he was offside uh, when he took oh, that chance. I he mean, was right shocked. Away. He was shocked when that ball fell to him. I was hoping. I was yelling at the TV. I was like, I hope to God the flag goes up. After he after, after he, he misses, misses after he yeah. kicks it right into the goalie, and unfortunately it didn't. Um, first of all, I think that that opportunity came too early in the match. We talk about growing into games all the time. If that happens five minutes later, yeah, do they get a goal? I don't know. Perhaps literally as that ball was creaming off the goalie, I said to myself, "I'm like, if this is going to be the way that it's going to go today, then we're in for a long day. Like you have to." How many times have we said it during this World Cup? There have been so many better teams lose games because they cannot put the ball on the net. And Christian Pulisic, who scored the game-winning goal against Iran to stave off elimination in this tournament, in your best player, 
and the golden boy of this generation, I'm using air quotes right now, has that opportunity on a silver platter three minutes into the game and can't finish it off. And I looked around and I'm like, boy, think that one's going to come back to bite you in the ass. You go up 1-0 early in that game, who in the hell knows what happens? Maybe it's the same outcome. Maybe it's the same defeat. I'm not sure. In an alternate universe, in a different reality, maybe that goal goes in and we can see what happens for the rest of the 87, 85 minutes, whatever it was. But after that did not go in, I was just looking around like, I think it's going to be a long day Mm -hmm. because we have talked about the lack of a striker and the lack of somebody who can put the ball in the net. Sure, we've just gushed about this midfield and we've gushed about the backline play and we've gushed about Tyler Adams. But at the end of the day, on the biggest stage, you failed to convert in that moment and it kind of set the tempo for what was about to happen for the rest of the game. Yeah, I feel like you're right. And I feel like to talk about, you know, that strategy and tactics like I brought up, because I think the Netherlands basically said, here, the United States, we don't think you're good on the ball. Yep. You have it. Good luck with that. See if you can break us down. We're not going to get into a, you know, back and forth battle for battle. Because we, we know to. athletically yeah. you guys could actually hang in that type of battle. So the only way the U.S. I think would have, because they're not good enough yet. Unfortunately, there's just not enough guys on this team. Pulisic is is pretty good in 1v1s. Gio Reyna, who was not out there for a decent part of, you know, for the first part of this game, he is someone who obviously is good in 1v1s. Aronson can run at you a bit, mm-hmm. but I don't know that he would be necessarily a guy that you would say, yeah, if this team has 80% possession, he'll be a big motor as to why they're good. He's I not don't... beating their midfielders. He's not right, beating Virgil. Right. No, I mean, yeah, it's no, just not going to happen. Not yet, right? And then... Guys like the, you know, the MMA midfield that we have with, you know, McKenney, Adams, and Musa, like those guys are really good at winning the ball and getting it into transition. They are good at turning the ball over and interjecting energy into it. When it then comes to kick the ball around 27 times to find the perfect pass, that's not their game yet. Yep. Someone needs to emerge. And then I hope it becomes more of their game. I think Tyler Adams is a savvy enough player that he could become that guy. Yeah. Eunice Musa strikes me as a guy who is a lot more dynamic in coming at you and advanced playmaker. advanced playmaker. Yeah. That kind of thing. But, but both those guys still sitting back and just picking apart balls left and right. Not going to happen. No. I mean, that's something that I, I don't feel like the U S has developed well enough. So then it comes down to your coach putting the tactics, right. Or getting a bounce like they almost did with Pulisic. Yeah. If that bounce goes right, well, now the Netherlands can't just sit back and give you the ball because it's like uh, now they have to score. Well, to and you also get... take in the pressure part of it and like, oh, boy, we're shell-shocked. Right. Like, oh, yes. Now whoa. they now you've totally flipped that script. And instead, that almost, if anything, I think it showed very quickly to the Netherlands, hey, we can, we can give them the ball, but we cannot mess around. Mm-hmm. And when we get the ball, we've got to hit on those counters. Aji and- Wright had an opportunity at the end of the game, too. Right, right. But I think the Netherlands saw that with, oh my gosh, Polisic was right there. We dodged a major bullet. Yeah. Now let's go down and make sure that we can have this strategy the rest of the game. And they did it with so much ease. Their counter was gorgeous. It knew exactly what it wanted to do. Every player was locked in on how this was supposed to be executed. Everything that you wanted the U.S. to be. Yeah. Every, that was everything the Netherlands were doing. That's yeah. And having a guy like Memphis who, yes, his name is Memphis Depay. But for those who, if you missed us on the broadcast, you're just not familiar with him. He goes by Memphis because not a fan of his dad. Mm-hmm. Same with Virgil. Right. So like a lot of those guys don't like to use, or not a lot of those guys, those two guys don't like to use their last name. So 
that's but but especially with Memphis, that's why it feels weird though. I just feel weird. I don't like say, well, Christian did this and Tyler did that. Yeah. And if Eunice, I don't like to refer to guys by the first name. But I'm just saying in this case, we'll refer to him as Memphis. That's what he refers to be called. But in either case, you saw him smartly trailing the play the way that a dangerous striker would, or you know, a dangerous attacking player would. And I think everyone in the stands, US fans, Netherlands fans, everybody as soon as that ball left the right wing and was just trundling along the middle. I'm uh-huh. like, Oh no, oh, no. And you see Well, you see the gap opening up. You yeah. see him running behind. And you're like, why is no one there? <sighs> right. Everyone in their mind is like, Oh God, don't let him get, don't, don't let him hit this cleanly. And he did. And it went in. Get to your right, Matt Turner. Get to your right. Nothing you can really do with it yeah. though. Honestly, oh, like God. when he has it and he's good in space. Now we can talk about Tyler Adams losing him there. Yeah. And I and I'm I will say this. I feel like as much as there's probably a good soccer explanation why Tyler Adams, and this has happened a lot. Uh, this is what happens in this situation. You saw it throughout this game. The U.S. was given the time on the ball. The U.S. What the Netherlands did brilliantly was basically invite the U.S. to bend themselves out of shape. Yep. And then when the Netherlands got sufficiently ideas that yes it looks like they're out of shape now they are completely discombobulated then we're back into the middle of the field and they knew right where they were going they knew why they were doing it that was not just like a chance thing that Tyler Adams was out of position no he's out of position there and then I don't know why he's not sprinting back like he's in you know like like he's chasing down I don't know someone with like his life savings well yeah right Memphis Depay there you go exactly (laughs) I don't know why he's not chasing him down with every bit of gusto I would normally expect from Tyler Adams because you've seen him do it. But for some reason, he was just kind of like jogging at the same speed as Depay. And I don't I don't know if that was just because he didn't feel like he could catch him or I don't know what it was. But in either case, a total shut off. He's out of. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it's simple as he just shut off and thought, oh, he's not going to hit this. And he did. I don't know why you would think that. But other than just completely letting down, there is also the idea that Everybody is out of shape. Everybody's out of where they're supposed to be. And then he's not able to get back quick enough for whatever reason. And that's exactly what the Netherlands wanted out of this game. By the way, when you say out of shape for people who don't watch soccer or who have not listened to our podcast and don't know the, the game that well, that doesn't mean like Tyler Adams is a is a fat bum and was eating twenty. No, that no, no. Means out of shape as the formation that they're playing, and they didn't keep their shape, and they aren't playing their form- formation, and they get broke down on the counter attack, and guys are out of position. Yes, because guys, that's essentially, when you have all that extra time on the ball, you're going to get the ball in more advanced spaces in your offensive third, and that's going to cause guys sometimes if they're not staying home fundamentally with where they would need to, then it's going to lead to guys saying, "Oh, well, let's get." let's try to get this goal. And then they push too far forward and no one stays back. If you're watching hockey, right? If your two defensemen are up in like at the crease and one of their players pops it out to the blue line and there's no one home. That's it's, I mean, obviously a much bigger space and there's a lot more players involved, but kind of the same type of thing. You don't want your defensive minded players. And so the way this ended up working was Burhalter's system and the tactics used typically for this team you would have your two outside backs in Dest and Robinson pinching in, becoming part of the attack, something they've done, but what that typically means. And then especially if Zimmerman comes up or mm-hmm. Reem comes up and those guys are playing up at midfield, Tyler Adams almost becomes your last line of defense right. beyond those two. 
And if that they'll, they'll go take that first wave of attackers, but then it's on Tyler Adams as advanced as he's been getting. Now he has to come all the way back and stop that. And Dest and Robinson to then flank back. to Yes, the corners. but they're all the way out of position because right. they're up almost near the corner flags right. trying to whip in crosses. And now they've got to get back 120 yards almost in five seconds, six seconds. It's not likely to happen. So the Netherlands did this right tactically. Oh, they saw it on film. I mean, how many times do you think that they went over this in training? They, yes, I'm saying they game planned for this and said, we know we can hit the U.S. in this way. The way we do not want to play the U.S. is straight up in the midfield, player for player. We are much, we would much, not that their midfield sucks. Their midfield is great, but their midfield did not need or want 80 minutes of having Weston McKinney chopping at their ankles, right. Eunice Musa running at them, Tyler Adams smacking everyone that tries to come across the midfield whenever they would have a slow build. They wanted to hit the U.S. quick, not give us a chance to get the ball, and they did it. And so that first goal sucked, but I think the U.S. realized, okay, we got kind of screwed. We got mm-hmm. out of position. That was bad. And the good news was there was 80 minutes to figure it yeah, out. Yeah, right. That's, the bad news is with, there was also 80 more minutes for the Netherlands to do the exact same thing. Well, here's the thing. That second goal from It's, from the, same, Daly, it's the same Daly thing. Blind, it's like, the, it was the same thing. And that happened off a throw-in, too, which is even somewhat more indefensible that you lose track of one of the most look blend his dad played he's played these he knows what he's doing right he's not a bad soccer player no way shape or form should you lose track of him like should should the u.s not have a player who could keep up with him is what i'm saying yeah he's, he's not, not light in the world he's not light fire. he's not quick yeah. you know like you have to not lose track of anyone on this team so when that one went in the, the end of the like right at the end of the first half it was almost chef's kiss for how to see your world cup go away yeah. in a 45 minutes of soccer. Yep. Like that was really it. They had an early goal that gave them the confidence to continue to stay in their, in their uh, strategy. Mm-hmm. And then that second goal was like, not only did we weather your storm where you started to try to change some things and do some things there. Now we've got our second goal and screw you. And what are you going to do with that? They stayed in their system so well. Yeah. Well, and it, you know why? Because I believe they had confidence in their system, mm-hmm. and they know that when they play better teams, they can use that system and that confidence. Not that everything that Louis Van Gaal has ever done no, or of Van Gaal has not. done is is spot on, but they trusted the system. I'll tell you, like to give an example of what I think the U.S. could have done better tactically, because I know it's easy to blame the players, and those are things that that we can talk about. Jedi's effort on that second goal, either. I mean, it was Bad. just like, come on, man. Yeah. And I mean, and, and it was and, the same. It was, it was the same exact picture. Instead of Memphis hitting it, I mean, Daly blends running from the far side. It's literally right in the middle of the penalty area. You got it. It was the same. I mean, the same exact ball. Right. That right. was played from earlier on. So not only did they tell you, well, we know how to outclass you with our tactics at the beginning of the game to get the opening goal, that you and your tactics are not going to change, and we are literally going to hit you with the same exact run and the same exact run of play for a second goal to chop your head off in this World Cup. Yeah, it's entirely frustrating for the U.S. because it's something that adjustments need to be made better during the game, and the players need to adjust to them, certainly. They need to not switch off, but some of that is putting your players in the best position. Um, So... What I think is that that half pretty much was summed up by that goal where you said, okay, the Netherlands, 
kind of let the U.S. just have the ball all they wanted. Whenever the Netherlands decided, let's switch on and go get a goal, they were almost pretty much able to. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty disheartening. That led to it being 2 nothing at halftime. They were just clinical with what they were. They had two big chances in the first half. Yeah. And they took the two they big took chances. Them, yeah. And the U.S. had one really great one. And it was unexpected, but Pulisic has to be better with that. If he hits that chance, maybe it's a little bit different sure. strategically. But the reality is the U.S. hit their chances, or the Netherlands hit their chances. U.S. did not. And the U.S. fell asleep on def- defensively at a couple times where you just can't. And that's that's all, that's all poor. St- we will take a break. We'll come back, and we'll kind of wrap up, you know, how the rest of this game went. But more importantly, we'll talk about what the future holds for the U.S. national team, where we think we should go from here. Positives, that kind of stuff, too, from what the U.S. did. That's coming up next here on Bodo Meme United, brought to you by Zaftig Italian Village. Second half, the U.S. game, not much better than that first half. Haji Wright got a goal. I don't, I don't know how it, I don't know how it happened. He doesn't. No one knows. It's it's kind of the one. It was of the, one of the best goals you'll ever see. That, that well, yeah, that was not like it was yes, completely it mishit. Was. It, it was rolled over his foot. It it rolled in a way that was, I I've never seen. I thought right, honestly, so I didn't even know why anybody drag, was he celebrating. Goes to drag yeah. the ball and he hit it with the back of his boot. And he hit it so poorly that it shot 25 feet up in the air on an angle to go top shelf. I Yeah, right. I've never <laughs> seen it's, it. You couldn't try hey, it. You at that get, point in the game, I didn't give two flips no, no, about I, how that ball it, went in. Because suddenly you're like, okay, well, this went yeah, 15 in. 15 so. minutes to try and do something. And if you get a second goal, then who knows? In stoppage time, you'd come back from 2 nothing down. You could possibly get this thing to penalties or God knows what, or get another fluky goal or <laughs> Pulisic. You know I mean? If nothing yeah, else, you could say Pulisic should have hit the one earlier. This one just that it went in. Obviously if you have a goal eight minutes or three minutes into the game, as opposed to 76 minutes into a two, nothing game, it's slightly different strategically for both teams, but either way gets the goal. Doesn't matter. Denzel Dumfries, who was just man, that guy again, was Mark people, Mark free runners in the box. Yeah. It's almost like that's a thing. Every one of these goals felt almost identical in the sense of like, they just let a guy get completely more space than he should have had. It's a great finish, but it was, but you know what else I'll tell you, like you can make this argument, right? That the U S doesn't have as good of players. Denzel Dumfries, right? He, you think Sergio Dest is starting over him for the Netherlands? Probably not. You know I mean? They play similar positions outside back and mm-hmm. Dumfries had a great game. Dest is not bad, by the way. I'm not trying to, but I'm saying like, if you want to go pound for pound, player for player, this guy's better than that player. You can make these arguments. Right. Fine. But we've seen teams that don't, I mean, so does England, by the way, and you played them zero, zero. Right. Why is that? Is it because you played a little bit more of a cagey, savvy, strategic game against England than you did here? And your players were on for it? Well, I feel like if you were going to play this game where you say, we're going to have the ball and we're going to go at the Netherlands and we know they're going to let us have the ball and we don't care. We want that. We want, we welcome the chance to play on the ball. Why not do things like, for example, get Tim Weah going up against blend constantly. Yeah. That's the, that's the matchup you should have been exploiting all day long. Did you feel like Tim Weah was getting on the ball in the final third, or did you like me see Tim way having to go back to midfield to yeah. get the ball? Like this is when we talk about tactics and strategy from the manager 
And as much as Greg Berhalter's got a lot of hatred from a lot of fans, he has done a lot of good things. He has. But this is the level you're talking about of going from getting out of the group and being high five and happy that we got out of the group to beating top competition, top 10 teams in the world, in the World Cup, seasoned veteran teams. Mm -hmm. You only get to do one of these every four years. You can't count on the fact that next four years, well, we'll get it right next time. I have no idea about that. I don't know if we'll make it out of the group next time. I mean, we should because the group stage is going to look a lot different. I know you're going to qualify, so that's a good thing. Right. That's the only thing that's guaranteed. But my point is we have no idea what this is going to look like four years from now. I don't know who the manager is going to be in four years. Right. Well, that's the the question we kind of need to get to here, right? Because honestly, as, as much as Greg Berhalter did a lot of good with this team, here are the things I'm frustrated by. One, could not find a forward to save your life in all of this buildup you had to the World Cup. You couldn't get forward. You could not find a consistent forward option. That's on uh, to me. That's still on management. That is on. There's not a guy out there. Josh Sargent couldn't have been your number one guy. Honestly, I know he was hurt and he couldn't play in this game. Sure. I get that. But why was Josh Sargent like an iffy proposition to even be on the team? Why were Why were there not two or three guys that we looked at and say these are no doubt who your strikers are? They may not be the best in the world, but we know who they are. Mm-hmm. And we know that that's their, they're going to be the ones. It was a question mark all the way up until the World Cup. And I don't I don't think that helps. I think the fact that you did not have a developed solid striker, but insisted on playing with a striker in your formation. Yeah, but you also had two guys that you left off and PFOC and Pepe. Like, right. I'm and saying, I don't want to play. I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty, So I, I don't want to go down that road. But at the same time... And listen, I think Greg has been pretty good in his ability to identify talent and having that talent commit to play for the United States. I think Greg has been good in that. You look at Eunice Musa and all the nationalities that he had available to him. Yeah. And Eunice Musa, 18 months ago, I believe you said, or... Yeah, it was in March or May of 2021. Decides that, you know what? I'm going to play for the U.S. men's national team. Great. That's something that you can build on. You need to identify a person who can get you a goal from playing in the regular number nine position. Well, and you know what? I honestly think that guy is is already there and was already playing a lot this game. It's Tim Weah to me. Yeah. But he needs to play play a false nine, have Tim Weah playing, doing a lot of stuff like that, dragging guys out of the middle of the field. The whole problem part of this was you had so many... Do you feel worse now doing this show? Yeah, I I do. Because I'm reminded that (laughs) in the center of the field, you had Ferreira up there, like, bringing so much confusion in the middle of the park because he's just standing in space where he needs to be out of the space, moving defenders away with him. Now, that would require them to respect and actually want to track with him. That would work if you're running a false nine. Yeah, like you could have with Tim Weah, who's dangerous enough to actually make that work. And then out on the wing, you don't have, instead of having a guy in the center of the field who's kind of, and not that Josh Sargent was this, Josh Sargent played a lot better, but you could have Sargent coming in off the bench, Weah starting in the center as a false nine, and then you have on the right side, Gio or Aronson, take your pick, whoever's healthy, whoever's playing a little better. Obviously, I think Rain is the top pick there, but Rain. 
clearly didn't something didn't look right no. with him. He looked like he was running in sludge mm-hmm. for the second half of that game. Literally. Yeah. So something is either wrong with when him. When he got or, subbed on, though, I was like, here, it's the I time. was I was thrilled at first, yeah. and then you see him play, and you realize, yeah, this oh, is, oh boy, maybe he shouldn't have been playing. Well, but again, if it was hurt, just say he's hurt. Right. I don't understand this whole drama thing with it. But either way, point here is when healthy, that should be your option outright. One of those two guys, those two fighting for time to play. And then you should have Tim Way and Josh Sargent play in a false nine and and Polisic on the left. And then you can rotate, you can flop guys left to right on that front line. This this allows you to be more dangerous. It allows more space for your attackers. It allows more space when guys push to the midfield. And especially maybe, with the way that your midfield is. Right. And then yes, where you don't have like a true number 10 running your midfield, like that's you don't have that central attacking mid that you say. This guy's just going to take everybody on. It's not how they're formed. That's not how they're set up. It's not what they do. It's fine. But then acknowledge that and create space in the middle of the field where you allow other guys to cut in and have more opportunities, not by having a guy who's basically at the top of the formation who's useless in this game. I didn't understand this substitution or the, the starting lineup there at all in that regard. But maybe the group stage where you have two goals from three games Maybe your guys aren't so dog tired by the by the second half of this game right. too, you know, where they're not just you can running tell ragged. Were, I mean, there were heavy legs, obviously. Yeah, there were. I mean, I don't know if that was what contributed to the first couple goals either, but defensively, this team had to do so much work to get here because you know you were protecting one goal leads because you weren't going to score two goals in these games because you just didn't have the guys for the most part. I thought Greg said that this was a round robin group stage, and then we get into the knockouts. So if that line of philosophy and that line of thinking is holding, wouldn't you go for it in the group stage and then protect when you get to the knockouts? Yeah, that, that's what I feel like. Instead almost, of, it, instead what of happened, protecting yeah. your entire like first three games and having tired legs heading into a knockout game. This is the game, type of game I would have Against almost, a team in which you know is going to try to decimate you on the counterattack. Yeah, this is the team I would have almost expected, if anything, England to have performed this strategy against the U.S. Yeah. And said, yeah, go ahead, have the ball. Let's see what happens. We don't care. It's a group stage. We don't need this. Like, we know we're going to beat the other two teams. We're fine. I, if I'm England, that's what I would have expected, and that's what the U.S. Instead, you actually got a halfway decent game out of the U.S. because the strategy was right on. Here it was completely off. I didn't like the starting lineup with Ferreira up top, and that's just for me. I just, here's, my, here's my problem. The lineup and the strategy doesn't seem malleable to opponent. No. Like, it's the same thing day in, match day out. Yeah. And, like, you should know and identify the weakness of a team that you're going up against. And, listen, I'm not talking about fundamental or theoretical philosophical changes in a team. I'm not telling you you should run out and do something. And we've had those conversations right, before right, that right. they should. I'm not talking about that. But just change it up a, a little bit knowing <laughs> knowing your opponent. Louis Van Hall. Just master stroke of brilliance. Yeah. Just genius. He looked genius. At, he looked at it and said, I know exactly what the U.S. are going to do. We're going to have our opportunities over here on the right wing between Robinson and then a crossing ball right into the midfield. Not only did you get that once, you got it twice, and then you got it at the end of the game on a far post ball. Yeah. So, and that's right. And so the argument then becomes this. Does Greg Berhalter get another four years to kind of manage this roster? four years. Right. To manage this roster and continue to build this system and to continue to grow with maybe the learning curve that comes out of this. Now, again, Burhalter said, so here's the thing that most troubles me after this game. Burhalter said after this game, remember the game against Canada 
when we all were like, this is trash. The U.S. is getting outplayed by Canada. Is that the one up there? Yeah. In qualifying? And what did Berhalter say after that game? He said, I thought we dominated large stretches of this game. I thought we had the better of the play and blah, blah, blah. And everyone looked at that at the time and said, what the hell are you talking about, man? They let you have the ball. They countered you perfectly. This is exactly what they wanted to do. They played their game perfectly. You did not. You played right into their hands. Mm -hmm. Did it again against the Netherlands. And Berhalter afterwards. Now, again, maybe it's just his psychology. Maybe it's just him trying to keep the guys' spirits, even after, you know, they bounced out of the World Cup. He said, I thought we dominated. I thought we played well. I thought we did this. I thought we did that. And that's where I get really frustrated. If he genuinely thinks they dominated that game and if, oh, we're just for a few bounces, they would have won it, then he's out of his mind. I don't think he actually believes that. I can't believe that he believes that. But that is a worrying sign that he looks at games like this and says, yeah, this is this is pretty much what we wanted out of the game. But I also believe Why? that there was something else in the Netherlands that if the U.S. changed up tactically, and let's say they go ahead with the Pulisic goal early, that the Netherlands would also have something cooked up just in case that scenario. You're right. Yeah, I guess, yes, that's a, that's a very solid point. And I and here's where, again, Greg kind of got his, his lunch eaten, I feel like, by Louis van Hall. When they give you the ball and you instantly right away like have a chance and you can't do anything with it, but then they go out and score 10 minutes in, what adjustment do you make? Right. You The only adjustment then is Greg is left with give them the ball more than they're getting it like because the U.S. has all the ball. Why would you want that? Now you need a goal. You can't give them the ball more. You're going to wear yourself out. Like if anything, that strategy now gets thrown out the window after 10 minutes yeah. if he was ever going to adjust it, but he couldn't. You left yourself with one play, right? And I, I guess you could make the argument that Louis van Hall kind of left himself with one play here because if the U S hits on that first goal, well, like, well, no, I guess I'm, I'm, no, not technically. Cause then what could the Netherlands have done? They could have ratcheted up the pressure. They could have got the ball back more. They could have started winning in the midfield and say, we're, we're going to keep it down. Now we're, we're going to, now, now, we're, now we're going right. to, now we're now, now it's play time. They basically absorbed pressure and said, we dare you to break us down. The U S couldn't. And then the U S got hit on counters and had no way to respond to that other than to keep getting out of shape. Keep they had a couple of good chances, and that's mostly because the Netherlands had total defensive breakdowns. Yes, right. The Haji right open goal, like the open net. Oh, I know. I mean, I about about had a panic attack, and that ball gets cleared off the line. I know, I know, and that's that. Look, the the point there is for sure, the U.S. generated some chances, especially late in that game with the Netherlands, but was too little, too late, and and it almost felt like anytime the Netherlands felt pressure. They were like, let's go for 10 minutes and try to get another goal. And before 10 minutes was up, they'd find it. And so that's why it really sucks that it never felt like the U.S. is in control. So going forward, what's the best strategy for the U.S.? I feel like the next the next four years, you need a manager who can look at this team and say, without question, we're going to develop some tactics. We are going to not just have, this is what I do. This is the system I've always run everywhere I've been. I'm going to instill in my players how to think like world-class soccer players because they are gifted enough to play with these guys. And they are now, playing at their club levels on a year-in, yep. year-out, year-in, yep. year-out basis at world-class yep. professional soccer organizations. Yeah. And I will say this too. Don't be afraid to go outside of the U.S. for a coach. I know that they don't always like to hear that. I Jurgen. know they... <laughs> right. Yeah. Jurgen Klopp. I mean, Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen oh, Klinsmann. I was going to say, uh, now that's a, now that's a thing. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> but, you know, a guy who I, I will tell you a guy who's probably going to get looked at. Um, Don't say it. Don't say him. 
Who do you think I'm going to say? I just don't want you to say him. I don't even know. Tata Martino. Here we go. No, that's not who I was going to say. I was going to say Roberto Martinez. Oh, no. Okay, good. I mean, no, no, no. But, like, you could go, okay, you could go those routes. You could go bring in one of those guys. That would be something, right? Because I know the answer on this is no team has ever won a World Cup with a manager who is not of their nationality leading the team. Right? Oh, interesting. Yeah, did you know, know that's that. that's a real thing. Uh-uh. I didn't know it either, no, but I, I, I remember no clue. we we looked this up for like a trivia thing. That's legit. So, like the argument almost becomes if you start, you know, cuz if you look at the teams that always end up getting a guy from like some other country, yeah. like Iran, right? They had Carlos Kirosh. Yeah. Who Carlos Kirosh used to run things at US Soccer many many years ago. Like they they get these guys who've been around world soccer for decades. Maybe that's saying like waving the white flag like we're never going to win a World Cup, so who cares? Let's just try to be more competitive. But Honestly, I would just like to see the the cultural change a little bit away from we play this one system too. We play lots of different systems. We're we're smart tactically. We change things up when we have to. We do what we need to. That would be something. If they're not going to go that route, though, if you go the old U.S. national team route again, I'm just going to tell you right now, Austin FC has a coach, used to coach the crew. Josh Wolf's the guy. I, I know he's a bit of a Burhalter disciple, but... Josh Wolf has shown you he can take a team that does not have the much talent. Look at Austin. I didn't think they were that good. He turned them into a really good side this year. About Jesse Marsh, your boy. Jesse Marsh doesn't want it. I, he's If he wanted it, I'd say, sure, go for it. But here's the other thing, too. Last thing. Landon Donovan. I love the movie or the TV show, Ted Lasso. I love. And Landon Donovan actually would not be this guy. So take him out of this conversation for a second. But I love Ted Lasso. It's a fun idea. But Ted Lasso is exactly what everyone thinks of U.S. soccer coaches yeah, around the world. Right. They're rah-rah, sis-boom-bah. They're not great on tactics. Barbecue sauce. Yeah. And, and Greg Berhalter, I think, is better. Obviously, he's not Ted Lasso. But tactically, you have to be better. And you have to outthink the Louis Van Halls of the world. You, you, guys like him can't be the ones that are, like, destroying you in the World Cup. Right. Can't have that happen. So next if guy, if they break you down and they score and they beat you, fine. If they have better players than you, fine. If they get lucky bounces than you, fine. I didn't think the U.S. was at a point where they were just getting they were going to get worked by the Netherlands three to one. I think they're a better team than that. I do not think Beralta. Well, some the of their players could have just eaten lunch, like come back in the game twenty minutes later and not oh, miss yeah. a thing. Right. Like, yes, just, you're exactly right. And I'm and it, right. And it's that's where I feel like this has to get better for the U.S. So for me. I would like to see someone who can come in who could actually go like from a from a headspace perspective, tactic for tactic, a lot better than what Burhalter did. So um that's where I am. I think Burhalter's I got a good job with you. it. Who do you got? Zinedine Zidane. <laughs> hey, I call him. Call him. I don't think he's taking the I call. don't know why we don't just empty the bucket on this. You're I'm talking you. about a country that is about to host a World Cup. Coming in with unbelievable expectations and a great amount of pressure I, I can tell in you four why. years' time. I can tell you why. Because we want to do it the U.S. way. <laughs> you know what the U.S. way has always been? You know what, man? If it's the European way or the South American way and you win, end up winning a World Cup, I don't give a flip which way it is. What is what is actually the U.S. way, though? What are, what are we known for in the United States? Hot dogs and hamburgers? Those came from Germany. Last I checked. Pizza? That's a, it's That's an Italy Italian. thing, right? One of our most favorite foods to eat is Mexican food and Chinese food, right? Like, now I know this has all been food related, but my point here is some of our best everything has come from 
other places. We like drinking beer? That's German. Right. Among other places. You can go all over the world and get (laughs) beer. But the point is... You, you think about out West. Oh, wild horses. Spain brought those. They didn't exist here. What are we talking about? You know, like I'm just saying we've, we've got to realize that the best of the U S is not necessarily, Oh, well born in the U S played in the U S system. At some point, if you go out and get someone who's a brilliant mind from outside the world, from the other part of the world. Yeah. I can go the Jurgen Klinsmann route. It could also be the thing that breaks you out of this. U S is good. Plucky always has a lot of grit and determination and excitement. Not really the smartest tactically that you're ever going to see from a team. I'd like to get beyond that. And maybe the next, I would like no matter what the system is going to be in four years time, three and a half years time for this team to lean into scoring goals. That's it, man. I want someone who says this is going to be an exciting offensive attack based team. We are going to take all this talent that we have we're going to develop it, and these guys are all going to become world beaters on the ball. Tyler Adams doesn't have to do that. Tyler Adams is already great at winning the ball, but he's going to be a much better deep-lying midfielder. He's going to play a little bit more like a, you know, like a Will Trap at times. Mm-hmm. Not, you know, I know rich man's Will Trap, but yeah. you get it. Like a guy who can dictate play from Casemiro for Brazil does an from, unbelievable yeah, job. With be, that. I mean, if we could get to Tyler Adams and Casemiro in the same sentence, <laughs> I'm thrilled with that. <laughs> Me too. But you get my point, like. Yeah. I, I want to see Jordan Henderson. Great job yeah, for England doing I that. I want to see this offense yeah. take off more and not just because, well, we hustled and fought and Christian Pulisic had to get kicked in the dick <laughs> to make a goal happen, right? Like, I want to actually see this team. Hey, man, his penis is fine. But again, I realized that play happened because it was so far back and it was a brilliant ball. And they, they actually did work that a bit to get Iran out of shape. Now I need you to be able to do that against the teams that are not 20th in FIFA world rankings. I need you to do it against that a top 10, top five team. Yeah. Against the best of the best. And the Netherlands showed them just how far they have to go in that regard. So for me, evaluate everything up to and including your head coach. And I'd say, make that decision quickly and then go for it. They're going to roll out Berhalter again. I, you know, I know it. I feel like they probably are. And I feel like that probably isn't the best idea. Immense amount of pressure heading into this world cup. Well, then here's what he needs to do. If he does stay change, grow do not be do not do the same because that was his that was his downfall here was he did not change and grow with the game Caleb in Porter. yeah no <laughs> don't do that to me god can you imagine all the u.s fans if it goes two former crew coaches in a row hey, at least uh greg or, uh, i said least, that to austin least, ward the other day yeah. i don't think a man has ever wanted to stab me as much as that man, when I said that to him, at least Caleb Porter's won something. We can say that that's <laughs> one, a few things, believe it or not. All right. Uh, that's it for us. It's we about the end of his timetable, right? I mean, if you, yeah, sure two enough, two years, two and a half years, Well, the last time Caleb Porter managed something with the U S national team, it went, so, Oh wait, don't look that up. That's one of the only times where you can say, Oh, he didn't win something with anyone. <laughs> Any, wow. I'm shocked. Yeah. It didn't go well for him. The one time he managed the U S team. So, all right, that's it for us. Thank you for listening. Uh, we will have another kind of World Cup update. We're going to go back to like once or twice a week for the remainder of the World Cup. We're done with the dailies, all right? Well, because the dailies we were doing when we had four group stage games. Yeah. Now we don't have that anymore. So we're going to go back to the normal, kind of more normal situation. We'll still have probably a handful more podcasts. Thank you all for checking out this podcast so far during the World Cup. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe on whatever you're listening to us on and follow us on Twitter at Bone Beam United. We will see you next time.